Welcome to episode 49 of the Gunfronters Podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. Uh, bringing you in with some Ed Orgeron. The last time he visited Bryant Denny Stadium, um, upsetting, or not, I guess not upsetting, uh, beating Alabama at home uh, on his way to a 2019 national championship at LSU. Since that night, or since that 2019 national championship, everything has seemed to crumble all around Ed Orgeron. Um, you know, still bringing in good recruits, but nobody wants to play for him anymore. Uh, you got guys that chose to have season-ending surgery when maybe they could have tossed it out. Um, you know, you got guys with some injuries that maybe aren't as serious as they're, uh, as they're putting on. Um, but nonetheless, LSU travels to Brian Denny for the first time since that 2019 game. Um, and, uh, you know, they find themselves looking at a 28-and-a-half-point or they find themselves being a 28-and-a-half-point underdog. There's a lot of people out here, um, including yours truly, that think that Alabama covers that spread and covers it with ease. J-Law, it's a return trip, man. Everybody had, everybody remembers that feeling. LSU coming in, everybody's talking about the greatest team ever. Two is banged up, coming off of another ankle surgery. Um, I believe had he just missed, hadn't he just missed the Arkansas game? Matt Jones has started getting his first career start. And um, he comes in, Alabama loses the game, but you know, two of fumbles on like the seven. Uh, Thaddeus Moss's feet were out of bounds, and then he came back in. The rest said he was pushed out. Uh, Tua throws a, a bad interception in his own territory right before the half. Um, Alabama was down 20-plus at the half and came back and actually made it a game. Devonta Smith going for over 200 yards on Derek Stingley. Everybody knows he absolutely owns Derek Stingley. Um, and, uh, you know, I figure Stingley would, would try to uh, – Try to, you know, make a comeback against Alabama. He's had two terrible years. Finally, Devonta Smith's gone. But I think he sees what Jamison Williams is doing. And he's like, eh, you know, maybe I'll just maybe I'll just go ahead and have surgery and just call it a career at LSU. But uh uh J-Law, um, you know, coming into this game, there's really not uh a lot you can say positive for LSU. There's really not a lot going on in that program, but there's Ed Orgeron already being shown the door. Um, and just finishing out the season, their coaching search um, has started at LSU. There's odds on who it's going to be, and uh, so kind of a kind of a cluster uh, over at LSU as they as they roll into Brian Denny. Man, we've seen this. I mean, with multiple coaches: Gene Chizik, Gus Malzahn, Ed Orgeron. Man, they beat Nick Saban, have a good year, and then you know that the average football fan knows there's not going to be any type of real sustained success when it comes to winning SEC championships, winning national championships, and, and competing toe-to-toe with the rest of the league. And after Nick Saban leaves LSU, Les Miles keeps it going for a, a decade. And then you roll in Edo, who was an interim to a head coach, catches lightning in a bottle, and he wins a national championship game, and he makes the most of it. That guy's been living the life most of us want to live. Uh, for the last two years. But the problem is you can't live that life and be a quality head football coach. And you knew Edo wasn't that guy. And he talked a lot of talk. And they tried to get out of this game last year. They canceled it due to COVID. And there were questions about how many players at LSU actually had COVID. They didn't want to play the game. They put it at the end of the schedule. Alabama beats up on these boys like they wanted to. But uh, I, I I think it's still really personal. And I think Nick Saban um, – you can a lot of people say Nick Saban's not going to run the score point at O. Uh, I think he did it last year, and I think he's going to do it this year uh, because you don't act like that in Bryant Denny Stadium, and you don't act like that when you beat the champs. And you think that coaches will be smart enough to know that you don't act like that if you do pull one off against Nick Saban. If you want to beat Nick Saban and, and not give them bulletin board material, check out Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo won the game on to the next week. Uh, I think Alabama is going to come really close to covering the spread. 28 and a half is a lot of points. Get it, man, that's more than four touchdowns. That I mean, that's more than four touchdowns. I would if it was 28, I might take if it was yeah, 27 and a half. Hook. Yeah. If it was 27 and a half, I might take it. But uh 28 and a half is a lot, but Alabama's gonna blow the doors off of LSU. But you know, what I, I was gonna ask you guys, what are some key things you want to see? They are banged up. You mentioned Stingley. 
You mentioned a lot of those other guys. With a banged-up LSU, man, I, what, is, what do y'all want to see? What do y'all think Bama fans want to see when it comes to this game? Because you feel like you should really – man, you should really put it on them. Right tackle. Uh, you know, Lester, you know, I know y'all are bigger on this than me. I, I don't like Chris Owens either, but I know y'all cannot stand him. I don't want to use the H word just yet. Um, but I think oh, I believe J-Law has called him the worst right tackle in the Nick Saban era, which could possibly be true. So, Lester, if 79 trots out there Saturday and, you know, plays the whole game with the ones until the backups come in, how, how are you feeling about that? Because, you know, you had the bye week for, for competition. They, they talked about how they opened it up during Texas A&M week. Um, obviously, not a lot of push was made there because you saw 79 the whole game. So, if you see 79 with every snap with the ones this week, you know, how are you feeling about that spot? Um, I would not feel great about it. But after, like you said, the bye week and, you know, um, I guess Saban had his press conference and said he was focused and good. And I saw a couple of the players tweet saying that, you know, the bye week is like one of the toughest weeks of the year, you know, via competition and stuff like that. So if 79 trots back out there, then clearly that's just the best that we have. There's there's no other solution, alternative at that right tackle spot, unless you're just going to shuffle up the whole entire offensive line. And at this point, these guys have jailed as much as they can, you know, up to this point. So if 79 trots back out there, then we're just going to have to roll with it. That's just going to have to be the thing going forward. We're just going to have to let it go. Um, and he's just going to have to be that guy in that spot to the end of the season. J-Law, through eight games, what is this team's identity offensively? Because, you know, as far as, you know, everybody's going to say it's a pass-first scheme, and I understand that. But, you know, is it interior runs? Is, is it, you know, some games like Mississippi State, it was more exterior? It's, it's really hard to get to find an identity on this team. In your opinion, through eight before remaining, what is the identity of the offense for this Alabama team? Uh, man, it, it's hard to say because it's going to have to start up front. It, regardless of what you want to do, you want to be a pocket passing team? Do you want to be a team that takes shots down the field? Wait, listen, we are, our identity, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not physical on the right side of the offensive line, and it is not a downfield big play team. I mean, we have been grinding out drives all year. A couple of those drives against Tennessee, 13, 14 play drives where you have five different third down conversions that a lot of were third and six plus. Um, I think that Alabama wants to be a run it downhill team, stretch it. Um, the problem is you can only stretch it one way. And, um, and I also think they want to be a big play team. But and, uh, if you go back and watch what Bill O'Brien, I know Deshaun Watson was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. But they and they had DeAndre Hopkins for a lot of that time too. They want to stretch the field. They want to throw the ball downfield. And you go back and everybody, the creativity is not there. But man, creativity takes time. Sometimes you got to have some time for your quarterback to let plays develop, and that hasn't happened. And so I think Bill O'Brien has been has been struggling to find ways to to force an identity onto this team because they're not great up front. I think they want to be big play, but big plays take time to develop. I think they want to be more outside run than inside run, but the two guys on the right side of the offensive line are really struggling, and your your center really can't get any push. Um, I you can, I think you could tell early in the year what Bill O'Brien wanted this team to be but it just hasn't gotten to that yet. And you can blame it on what you want to blame it on. Listen to Aaron Suttles earlier this week. I guess he's, that podcast might be one of my favorite things to listen to. And he says, you know, in, in fall camp, you just thought that Chris Owens is going to be your center and they were going to find something at right tackle. Well, my, ho- my whole thought process going into this should have, I think, when I saw Chris Owens at right tackle at the start game one, and Dalcourt at center, it was – man, Dalcourt showed out so much at center in fall camp that you felt like you could move Chris Owens to right tackle. But to me, it really turns out that you've created two weaknesses instead of having one weakness that you might have had at center. You've now created a weakness at right tackle and a weakness at center. And I'm not sure Chris Owens would have been a weakness at center. You just might have had a, a, a really young guy wet behind the ears guy, J.C. Latham or Damian George, playing right tackle to start the year off. 
I don't know if that was a good move. It might be too late to turn back, and Lester's right. If, if Chris Owens trots back out there at right tackle and not at center this week, I mean, that's what Alabama fans are going to have to suffer with, and unfortunately Bryce is going to have to suffer with it too. But I think by moving Chris Owens to right tackle instead of letting him play center, I think you might have created two voids on that OL as opposed to just one. Yeah, and you also lost a lot of development. If this goes on for the rest of the year, you lost a whole year of development for the young guys. You know, we talked last week about on-the-job training, getting game reps. You know, there's no substitution for that. You can't sub that in practice or, you know, the film, the practice film room or, or whatever it is. And um, so we also talked about, you know, next year you got to break in two new tackles. So at least one of them could have had some kind of experience and that's the one maybe that you slide to, to left tackle, whether it be Latham, Brock Meyer, Damian George. You know, I'm not saying it has to be a freshman. It could have been one of these, these younger, older guys, so to speak. You know, your redshirt freshman, your redshirt sophomore, true sophomore, whatever it is. Because you've got guys, you know, that are, that are in that rotation as well. Um, so I think you've lost also a, uh, a year of development for, your, for, your, for your, at least one of your tackles. And um, but you know, Lester breaking down this LSU game, we know their whole secondary is out. And so are we thinking maybe 49 points is kind of the floor for this team in this game, with maybe 63 being the ceiling? Is is that a fair assumption? And you know, also offensively, I know they don't have as many guys out. Armani Goodwin, the running back from Hewitt Trustful, is uh he's gonna play. Um and, and so what is the what what is also the ceiling for their offense to score on this Bama defense? I would I would give them three touchdowns, maybe one of those coming late. But um what is your what is your realistic floor and ceiling for uh for the Alabama offense and the defense in this game? Um I would say I would love to see a floor of 49. I would love that, and I think they could do it. I think it's possible. But that little man on the sideline with the headset just hates scoring points. He's done it two games in a row. I I guess. He's too worried about the other team's families and embarrassing people. (laughs) I would love it. I'm going to call it now, and I'm going to say Bama will score 50. I'll, I'll 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 give Bama I'll give Bama at least fifty points in this game. Lester Lester's actually like fifty is a a bad number, man. Come on, Lester. I I just I don't know. I, that's what I want to see because after what Ed Ordron did um, two years ago, nah, you can't let that you can't let that uh, sit with you. You got you got to dance on that man's grave. I mean, he's already out of here. He may not care. It don't matter. Hang fifty, hang sixty on his tail, and send him out with the present. But you know, on the defensive side, I think you know that team LSU's quit. Who cares? They quit. Um, I just want to see a sound game from the defense. LSU should not score over twenty-eight points. They should not. Should not. Um, if they do, something went wrong somewhere. I mean, I'm I'm including the late BS cover that always happens against Alabama. But I don't want to see them come near 30 points at all. They should. This defense, you yeah. had time, had an off week, get your act together, and let's begin to, you know, get your mind on the big things, big picture towards the end of the season. You know, you, you say this team has quit, but, dude, we thought that last year. Last game of the regular season, you know, number 10 game of the uh, all-SEC schedule, they go into the swamp and win. I know it took a shoe toss to do it, but they still won the game. So I don't know where they pull that motivation from. I mean, it's a rivalry game. I, I don't expect that to happen, you know, this way, you know, by any means. But, uh, you know, it, it's the same. I don't know if it's the same scenario or not, because last year, I mean, we, we all thought they are like, dude, they're done. They're quit. We, we thought Edo was gone after last year. And then they go, they go into the swamp and win. Um, so you really – you never know. I, I just don't think they had the dudes, and they I, they just don't have the numbers. It's, it's like Jalen was talking about. It's a lot like the uh, it's a lot like the game last year where they were kind of depleted down in the dumps or whatever, and Alabama went down there, did not mess around, and just put it on them from start to finish, and uh, and 
But this year, you know, I, I'm like you, Lester. I'm with you, man. I would absolutely love to see 70 to 10, 70 to 17. Just go ahead and give him what he deserves. Because what that man did on your field, and then he sent his players over to your recruits that were at the game and telling them to come to LSU. This isn't where you want to be. They're losers. You know, come to LSU. We're the the new up-and-coming team. We're the up-and-comers. And And, uh, it's just – that's an embarrassment. You know, breaking it down in your field, talking about this is your house now and then getting into the locker room and, you know, saying the roll tide, what, F you stuff. I mean – it, it wasn't just one thing. And then he's going to try to get in his press conference to say that he didn't mean any respect to Alabama. Yes, you did. Yes, you did, dude. Because at that time, you thought you would never lose again. That was the biggest win of the year for them, bigger than the national championship. That was huge for Ed Orgeron. And that bought him two more years. I mean, if he didn't win the 2019 Natty, did, did the, you guys really think that they were like, yeah, you can finish out the season and then we'll mutually part ways. My ass, he's gone. Right. After all the sexual assault stuff and mm-hmm. all that stuff, if they don't beat Bama, if they don't get the net, he's been gone. He's deep fried and done. But I I to 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 wrap up kind of how I feel, I want to see this team have a killer instinct. I want to see that. I don't care if Satan tries to stump on the ball and you know run the eye formation. If they run if you if Satan makes you go run the eye formation, you know what? Break it for 40, 50, 60, 70 yards and take it to the house. He can't stop you from running, from scoring the ball if you're running plays. He can't do that. I want to see a killer instinct from this team. That's what I want. J-Law, really no excuse at any level of the defense to give up really anything, right? I mean, you get a team that they're not good up front. They don't have great running backs. They don't have a good run system. They don't have a good run scheme. And they're they're an average passing team. Max Johnson – you know, thought he would be good coming into the season. You know, Kayshawn Bouillette is out for the game, out for the season. Um, so, you know, not a lot of weapons out there on the outside. So is there any excuse right. for Alabama to really give up anything in this game? So here's the problem for Alabama. If your defense goes out and gives up 10 or less, I don't think you really learn anything about them. But if they go out and they give up 20 or more in this game and you see the same type of stuff, um, I think you do learn – a lot about this Bama defense. They should not be challenged. So it's kind of like what Chase is saying. He's not going to take anything away from these next three games after the Texas A&M loss because you're playing teams you should beat. Now, that Mississippi State win looks phenomenal. They're in the top 20. You beat them by 40 in their house. Um, Tennessee playing a little bit better. But this week, if your defense gives up more than 17, I think you really start to scratch your head. If you see, and if, if you see the bus, you really start to scratch your head. But they should come into this game, I'm thinking 17 or less. I think their offense is going to have a lot of possessions because um, our offense, Alabama's offense, should get up and down the field. But there is no excuse. You have better players than they have. Their quarterback is a sitting duck in the pocket. And they can't run the football. This should be a D-line game for Alabama where they go into the locker room and Phil Mathis and Tim Smith and Byron Young feel like All-Americans. There should be tackles for loss. There should be sacks on the quarterback. Drew Sanders is back. This team cannot run the ball. So your DBs, if they're giving up busts a Saturday night, Alabama's defense really might be in some trouble down the stretch. And that A&M game against Zach Calzada may be less of a mirage and more of reality if this Alabama defense doesn't um, come out and impress Saturday night. Other than the right tackle, um, any other changes that you would like to see, J-Law? Um, whether it be, I'm guessing, you know, Trayshawn Holden, maybe, you know, 10, 20 more snaps played. Um, Slade Bolden, 10 or 20 less would be phenomenal. Um, and then maybe some secondary, you know, switches. Uh, if you had to pick something, would, would you mind sliding maybe Brian Branch back to the strong safety, leaving battle it free um, or vice versa? You know, battle can play strong and then Branch play free. Get Helms and Wright off the field, um, and then you know, as your next next corner up, I guess it'd be Kool Aid, right? I mean, you got Job and JAD. You still got Malachi Star. To me, that makes more sense. Do you think maybe there's some competition brewing back there in the in the in the back of the secondary? 
Oh, man, I, I'm sitting here thinking about it. And I know Brian Branch didn't play a great game against A&M, but he also hadn't had a lot of reps all year to that point. And you come out against a team that's doing something completely different on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, Helms, uh, Helms was the guy at the end of the game that didn't get the play right because they had already pulled Brian Branch for a bust or two. Um, and, you know, it's, I think this is a game where you, your Kool-Aid is not going to be at Alabama for four years. Put him in the game. I mean, if he comes out, doesn't start at all this year, he's going pro after year three. I think he's going to be that good. Put him in the game. Let him play. Haven't been overly impressed with Malachi Moore. I don't think he's he's eliminated himself from a football game with a, a clear targeting, hitting the quarterback late under his chin with the crown of your helmet when you didn't need to do it. His, he was the guy that's lined up wrong against on the first touchdown against Tennessee. He's playing outside when he should have been playing inside. And gave up an easy little little post route touchdown inside the twenty yard line. Haven't been overly impressed with that guy for a guy who has now started every regular season game except one last year because of an injury, and has been playing in every game this year. Almost, uh, maybe this almost time twenty. Brian Branch. Yeah, I mean he's a yeah. twenty start guy, and he's not lining up right. Um, and it's been a disappointing at safety, but for I think you you, you try to see Kool Aid. I think you still like your corners, and Alabama. They haven't been great in the secondary. They haven't been great at forcing turnovers. Um, I think uh, Armour Davis leads the team with picks of like three. Um, they don't throw a lot at Josh Dove. I think he is locked down. He, he maybe commits too many PIs, but, man, you want to see something good from those guys in the back end. Lester, when this game is over Saturday, about 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, because uh, we get another another night game Brian D. That's great, by the way, man. Was this the third one? I mean – you had Southern Miss, you had Tennessee, and now uh, now LSU. This is this is great. You know, we we tried for years to get a night game, and our night games were one of those those uh, non Power Five opponents that we play more than most of the time, or like Ole Miss or something. They weren't any good uh, pre uh, pre twenty thirteen or whatever. But Lester, whenever this game's said and done, what not necessarily the score, but what does Alabama have to do? offensively and defensively, for you to sit back in your recliner and be like, okay, I'm satisfied with that performance. What do you need to see, you know, whether it's running backs, receivers, quarterback, uh, offensive line, you know, and then all three levels of the defense. What do you, what do you, what do you need to see in order to sit back and be satisfied with the performance Saturday night? Um, you, both of you guys have hit on it, but I want to see more guys in the rotation, more guys playing, more younger guys. Let's continue to build that depth. You come off a bye week, two weeks of practice, all the stuff that you're getting wrong, the beginning of the season, the first half of the season, iron all that crap out. Let's get more guys on the field, keep more guys rested. Um, I want to see a clean game. Nobody, you know, no busted coverages, no, you know, office line solid play. Nobody just busting through. Everybody on the same page. Um, blitz pickup, Bryce rotating guys right way, left to right, a clean, solid game, and just execution. If you execute well, you dominate the game. It's, it's that simple. That's all I want to see. More guys playing and playing well, um, more guys in the rotation, you know, dominating, and just, you know, mistake-free football. That's, that's, that's all I want. If they do that, I'm good. I'm cool. I'm happy. But, you know. Things happen, but it should be – it should be – those are, should be achievable goals against a way inferior team. So those guys should be fired up and motivated and ready to go. This is, you know, whatever you think about LSU, this is a big game. And it's been a big game for the past at least a decade. You know, Alabama, LSU, you know, going back to game of the century and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I hope those guys are fired up and ready to play. Yeah, I uh, I agree with all that. I, I'd like to see, like I said earlier, I'd like to see Trayshawn get, let's say, 20 more stat, snaps and Slade get, you know, 20 less. Um, I, I'd like to see Billingsley and Latu be worked into the to the route combos a little bit more and actually make some plays. Um, now they could be wide open, but, you know, as long as you catch the ball, you got to have something to build confidence, right? Um, these next two games, I think, are just confidence builders because I think it's crazy. Jayla, what if I told you, at the beginning of the year, that uh, that LSU and New Mexico State back to back at the end of the year might be similar scores. I mean, how how crazy is that? But you know, I want to see, I want to see the guys who have struggled 
play better and try to get some confidence. Now, I'm the, I understand that doesn't make you good, in, you know, in like somebody like Chris Owens' case. But I do believe if Billingsley sees the ball coming out of Bryce's hand, going into his hand, and him turning up field and getting some yak yards, I think that helps him. I think it helps Law too. He does the same thing. If he catches the ball, maybe catches a touchdown, makes a guy miss, you know, maybe has a couple of good blocks. I think that helps confidence. And, uh, you know, I think Chris Owens probably just bad. So even if he has a good game, it's due to LSU just being shitty. But, you know, anyway, uh, you know, J-Law, same thing with you. What, what's going to satisfy you um, performance-wise from Alabama? Not necessarily a, a score, um, but just, just in terms of how Alabama plays this game, what would be enough for you to, to be able to sit back and be like, okay, I'm okay with that performance on to the next one. Well, so to me, I, I agree with everything you just said about Treshawn holding more snaps. I think we need to build some confidence in some young guys. You got to figure something out. You have to add another receiver. I mean, I, I don't think that Mechie the last couple of weeks has been a lot better, but I don't think, I really don't think Jamison Williams and Devonta and, uh, John Mechie have a problem getting open. I just think there is such a lack of, number one, teams thinking that they can get pressure with four or five and a, a lack of a third option that you think that is a legitimate threat to, um, to beat your defense. I mean, Billingsley dropped a wide open, what could have been a touchdown against Tennessee, a chance to soften up that Tennessee defense in the second half, not able to catch the pass. you got to have Alabama some guys. I think they need to turn the corner. LSU is the best team in the SEC that gets pressure without blitzing. Whatever that percentage rate was, I saw it uh, last week in the bye week. But LSU gets pressure with four, better than anybody in the SEC. Now, that might have been while healthy. I know they're missing a defensive end or two. But so in this one, they might blitz. And you want to see Bama pick up the blitz, and you want to see Bryce deliver the throw, and you also want to see the receivers catch it when Bryce delivers the throw because Bryce Young would still have the highest completion percentage uh, when it comes to adjusted completion percentage in the SEC, it goes up like 10 points. It goes from whatever, like 68 where he is to almost 80 if his receivers catch the ball. And that was a big problem against a and And you want to see those guys get it done today. You want to see Dalcourt hit somebody. You want to see Chris Owens stand his ground against a, a second-team defensive end most likely. Uh, there's a lot you want to see from Bama. Maybe not a score, but you want to see them beat dominant. Man, this is a game that you should win. It's just crazy to say that because LSU has been really good for the last 20 years. They really have. But this is a game that you should go win, dominate, win. Don't put a lot of stuff on tape for your opponents to, to um, think that they could beat you a little bit later on down the road. But you want to see your team go out and dominate and play strong. Lester, give me a score prediction for this game. Uh, I just asked what would satisfy you performance-wise. Now I want a score prediction. What you got? Uh, I'll say 51-20. It's a cover. That's a cover, baby. Cover. Cover. Man, I'm telling you, they're going to cover, man. I know you don't think so, but hey, I'm That's going such out. a big number. I, it's huge, man. I'm going, But, you know, last year, I believe it was 29 as well. I think it's what Lance Taylor said in the next round. It was 29 as well, and they covered that with ease. I think they won by what 38 or something like that. But uh I'm I'm going I'm going 56 21. I think it's a 37 point game. Do y'all not have a hard time thinking? Like, I mean, I think about like the 2012 Iron Bowl. The Saban's up 35-0 at half, five possessions, five touchdowns, comes out third quarter drops a bomb, ends the game, and then you don't score the rest of the game. I, I think it's gonna be like that where it could be a Kind of an old Miss type of deal where it's 35 nothing in the middle of the uh, start of the third quarter, 28 nothing at halftime, four possess five possessions, four touchdowns type of thing, and Saban gets 35, tries the young guys, and then you have your classic backdoor cover where somebody comes out, pops a touchdown, kicks a field goal, and you have a 42 to uh, maybe 17 type of ball game, and you're sitting at a 25-pointer instead of a 28-and-a-half. Yeah, that, that'd be a bad beat, ain't no doubt. But, you know. If Saban does that, I'm going on a rant. If he's sitting <laughs> off, I'm, I'm Okay, but Lester, 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 how – if you go out and you keep the horses out there and J-Mo tears his ACL up 38 no. against LSU, I mean, like, what do you – what do y'all – it's – we're mad when he runs it up because something always happens to us. He's or, talking about I – mean, no. He's talking well, about the, the young team. guys. Yeah, and let the, let, it, let the second team run an offense and don't just yeah. run the clock out. That's what he's talking about. 
even Paul Tyson. I get I'll watch him screw up for two series. So they put in um, who's the guy from Texas? Uh, crap, who's the other backup quarterback? Um, Milro. Yeah, hell, let him run option, whatever, but do not run the Maryland Eye for two hours after halftime Saturday night. Don't do that. Don't do that. Build some confidence in those young guys. Get them some real decent experience, and that'll be great for everybody involved. I mean, I agree with you, dude, and we we talked about this for years, and – you know, you can rant, and by God, we all love your rants. Everybody that listens to this show will text me and be like, dude, get Lester on a rant. Tell him to go go off. We love it. And uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to stop you from doing it, but we, we know it's going to happen. But just, just for once, because we don't understand why in 2017, dude, Tua came into the game. It was 42-0, 45-0, and it was, it was air raid. Almost. I mean, it was air it out. I mean, yeah, I mean, y'all remember Henry Ruggs had like his first seven catches or whatever, first five catches of the year were all touchdowns. And they're like all from two and mop-up duty. I mean, we went, just aired it out. And, uh, and since then, and I, and, and now, I mean, I understand listening to Saban talk is he was like, there's a quarterback competition or whatever. We were kind of getting to or prepared. Well, dude, Bryce Young's running now more. What if he rolls up a knee or rolls up an ankle and Tyson's got to go finish a half or a quarter? You're just going to run the ball three times a bunt? I mean, you've got to get somebody ready. And there's a lot of people, a lot of insiders that think that, uh, that if, if Bryce goes down, it might not be Tyson. It might be a wildcat package with Milrow and some side-to-side runs and maybe some quick throws. So if that's the case, Milrow's got, what, three passes on the year, four? That's what, you know, Lester, what are you talking about? I mean, we've talked about this for years, and I, I still agree with it. Yeah, put the second team in, J-Law. We're not talking about, you know, let, letting J-Mo throw in the ball deep where there's six minutes left in the fourth quarter in a 56-7 game. Uh, but when you take, you know, you can take the uh, take the ones out, and you can take them out earlier if you want to. We don't even care. If it's a three-touchdown game, take them out and let the second team run the offense. Do you agree with something like that? That's what Lester's talking about. Dude, I'm all in for playing the young guys and them uh, running the offense. The problem is we know it's not going to happen. I mean, two is really the only time that's ever been done at Alabama and because I think they clearly saw that he was better than Jalen Hurts. And if Tua doesn't do that through the first eight or so games of that year, they probably don't win a national title his freshman year. But, um, you know, if you take the ones out, and you put Milrow Tyson back there, I mean, how many quality reps are any young players getting other than the guys off the line? None. Tyson can't throw to them. Milrow, I, you turn it, you run t- t- chasing those, you run Talisman's offense. If you put Milrow in the game, you snap it to Jalen Daniels and watch him run. So I don't know how much it benefits Bama, but I, I think they, they can cover. They probably should cover. I'm just saying I don't know if they will cover or what's, what it looks like if Alabama's up big in the second half. Yeah, there's your uh, Bama LSU breakdown. And, um, you know, this is a, a time in this this podcast. This podcast is special to me and Lester. And uh, I know Bill's probably going to listen to this. But, um, yeah, J-Law, I, I know you're more of a raised guy, so I think he's going to slide out of here. And uh, me and Lester are going to take it home with uh, so, some World Series talk, man. And, uh, you know, Lester – your Braves fandom goes back to when you were born. Uh, you know, Bill's the same way. And, you know, I, I didn't think about it, Lester, but, you know, we probably should have done a, another podcast last night with us three on it. I think Bill would have really enjoyed that. Um, and, and who knows, he might still want to do it after he hears this. But um, this is a, was it a 27-year drought from 1995 to 2001? Was that right? Yeah, 26, something like that. So, uh, long time coming. Last time they won it, you were, what, three years old? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, just turned three since you have an early October birthday. For sure um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I'm, my number one team is the Boston Red Sox, but my number two team overall is, is the Braves. They're my one, number one national team. Um, for those that follow us on social media, 
you know, that me, Lester, and Bill try to catch at least one game, if not two Braves games every single year, just, you know, because – and we started doing that, Lester, what, four years ago, five years ago maybe? Um, yeah. Right, maybe right around the time AJ was born. And, and it was my idea because, you know, I felt it was important that whenever you, whenever you get older – and you, you get out of college, you get out of your party stage and you have uh, you get married and you have kids. I think it's very important to maintain friendships that you had pre-children and pre-marriage. And, uh, you know, I found I, my circle is not very big. Um, you know that I know your circle is not very big as well. Um, but I found, you know, four or five people in my circle and, and I like it. That's fine with me. And I'm going to maintain relationships, whether it's you two or Gage or you know, whoever else it may be. And, um, and so that was something that we started doing and it became an annual tradition. And, uh, and so that's something, you know, and I wasn't really a, a big Braves fan growing up, but since we started doing that in the last four years, I've grown to, to love the Braves. Um, of course, you know, if they're playing Boston, me and my dad went up to a Boston game this year and, uh, and I wore my Red Sox stuff and I pulled for the Red Sox and the Red Sox ended up winning and I was happy. Um, but you know, outside of that, I want the Braves to win every game and, uh, and I pull for them. I know you guys watch more Braves games than I do because I'm trying to watch Boston, but whenever the Braves, um, whenever I can watch them, I do, you know, whether it's the Red Sox are off or they're on the West coast or whatever it is, um, I'll be watching the Braves, you know, that, and, you know, we have a group text where we talk about it and, you know, we've had the group text for like three years, right? I mean, it's, it's been a long time. And uh, we know the heartbreak that Braves fans have gone through, whether it's, you know, leading the Dodgers three to one um, last year in the COVID year and then them winning three straight and, and beating Atlanta in the series and going on to win the World Series against the Rays. Um, but, Lester, I want you to talk about as a diehard Braves fan, a guy that you probably never – you probably never imagined this. I mean, I, the thing is, like, me and Bill did a podcast over the summer, remember, and you picked the – you said anything less than the World Series would be a bust. I remember you saying that. And of course, we're like, dude, come on, this is baseball. You never know. It's the most unpredictable game there is. And that was when they had Ronnie. And then – so just, just talk about the ups and downs of the season. I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Um, give you a little monologue here, whatever you want to do, but uh, just talk about you know from start to finish the emotional roller coaster the Braves put you on and how and what it means to you watching them be able to win a World Series after all these years. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Um, I don't know. I mean, if I, I will, other than you and Bill, y'all are probably the only two of our listeners who've, who've actually watched a baseball game with me. And uh, Trace has a very good story about one time. <laughs> we can maybe get to that later that he watched the game with me. But yeah, man, it's wow, it's fun. It's I don't know, it's almost it's it's relieving. It's cool. Um, I think that I saw a stat where um 30 minutes after the World Series ended, more Braves merchandise was purchased on Fanatics than any other team in history or whatever. And I surely contributed to that for sure. But, man, I don't know, people, you know, you meet people and they're like, yeah, man, you know, I like baseball, you know, I'm a Braves fan, you know, they're the South team, whatever. And I'm, I'm like, oh, you're a Braves fan, okay. How much are a Braves fan? Like, I know the shortstop in Gwinnett or Mississippi. And they're like, oh, no, man, I just like to catch a couple of games, you know, in Atlanta because it's cool, like the battery, all that stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I know where the depth of this conversation can go, and it's only a certain level. But, man, I am literally that guy. I hang on to every game. I watch every single game, as many as I can, and every single game is freaking important. It is important. I hang on to every game, every pitch, every blown save, and it pisses me off if it happens. I don't care if it's April. July, it's because I love it. And it's been like that for as long as I can remember. That's all I do. If you you call me in the afternoons from March to I guess now November, hey, what are you doing? I'm watching freaking baseball. Like, what do you think? Like, 
my life really revolves around it. And I don't know, it's relieving to watch them uh, win the World Series. Um, definitely shed a few thug tears because it's been a long time coming. I mean, from from Mike Fultonavich putting up 10 runs, oh my gosh, till to last year being up 3-1 from shoot Tim Hudson to watching Jair Jurgens or Julio Tehran or Chris Johnson breaking shit in the dugout and he struck out or Brandon Beachy or good lord I mean all that crap for years and they finally got it done without the best player. If you ask any of my friends when Ronnie tours ACL, the game before the All-Star break in Miami, I was like, it's over. It's done with. Cut it. Quit it. Sell everybody. Trade Charlie Morton Bill for next year. Because I had no faith in the ownership or Alex Anthopoulos to make some moves, but buddy, they made some moves. And after the All-Star break, the baseball was the best team in baseball. So, I don't know. It's it's freaking awesome. I wish I was able to go to a couple of games. I wanted to go to, go to at least one in Houston because the ticket price in Atlanta was outrageous. But you know, next time next time we'll do it. Maybe we'll load up a couple guys and go. But things have changed since last time the Braves had because the World Series. I know Gage got married and other stuff, and everybody else has stuff going on. Everything's going on in the world or whatever right now, but. It's just, it's just, it's a relief. It's a relief. I'm glad. I'm happy, you know. And the best part about them winning the World Series is it's November now, and there's only three months till spring training. So yeah. I, don't have to, I don't have to wait as long. I mean, I'm literally a little, I'm sick in the head for the freaking Braves. There's three months of spring training. I'm already counted down. Like, that's how much this stuff means to me. Like, for real. I can't wait to spring training. I'm that dude, literally, when pitchers and catchers report, I'm scrolling on my phone in bed that morning just to see videos of guys playing catch. Like, <laughs> it's it's insane. It's crazy. I'm crazy. I know that. But, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's literally my life from February to the end of the season. And I'm so glad that they, you know, won the World Series, achieved that goal. And uh, the monkey's off her back. Freddie Freeman got him a World Series. You know, he's a – it's a bona fide Hall of Famer. Um, and the team has a young core coming back, you know, re-sign a couple of guys, and I'll look for them to be back in again next year. Yeah, um, and, you know, the, the way it happened, I, and I remember you talking about I remember you texting me and Bill about the fire sale, and I understood it. I'm like, hey, look, Morton's on a one-year deal. Um, he's pitching well. Get as much as you can for him. He's 37. Uh, who knows how many good years he's got left. And um, – you know, AA, he made some moves at the break, but they just – they weren't eye-popping. They weren't these big free agents, to, free agent-to-be's, um, you know, with control or, or not that, that were, get, were getting dealt. You know what I'm saying? Your Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, um, Rizzo, um, Chris Bryant, you know, those type of guys. And, um, you know, you, 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 you trade for guys like Jorge Soler, you know, Jock, uh, Duvall – um, Eddie Rowe was, uh, was actually hurt whenever they traded for him and dude, they gave away peanuts. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, guys like Bryce ball, uh, who was okay, but nobody ever saw him projected at the big league level, especially, you know, he uh, was the first baseman. I mean, Freddie's sealed up. Yeah. Well, you know, Freddie's going to, he's going to resign Atlanta, but there's yeah. no spot for Bryce ball. You ship right. his ass up. Who cares? And, it, and, it, and he did a great job, but it's just, there wasn't a lot of eye-popping names. And I think their uh their trade deadline grade was like a B. They were like, uh, you know, they got some they got some bats, but I mean, you know, it's just kind of average, you know, no, nothing really jumps off the page at me here. Then dude, the calendar switches to August. Braves had like a losing record. And since August 1st, they've become the best team in baseball. And it was quiet. You know what I'm saying? Because nobody paid attention to the NL East because all the attention was on the West, right? The race between the Dodgers and the Giants. And then in the American League East, all the eyes were there. With Everybody knew Tampa Bay was going to pull away between the, the Red Sox, Yankees, and Blue Jays, who was going to get the wild card spot. And it came down to the last day of the season, 
And the Braves just quietly snuck in there. They're like, uh, you know, they've got the worst record of any postseason team. They only had 88 wins, which is even less than the four wild card teams. And uh, so the expectation for Atlanta was at the bottom of the barrel, man. I mean, nobody expected them to, to get past the Brewers, um, much less the Dodgers, much less the Astros. And you got to think, they beat three 95-plus win teams. And you you give away peanuts at the trade deadline. You get um, what a lot of people would call average players who just got hot at the right time, which we all know what that's what baseball is. It's just getting hot at the right time. It's a streaky sport. You're going to have hit streaks. You're going to have 10, 15-game hit streaks. You're going to have 10, 12-game hit list streaks. Um, you know, you're going to go through all kinds of streaks whenever you play the game of baseball for a certain or for, for a long enough period of time. And, uh, and that's what baseball is. Once you get into August, if you make the playoffs, whoever's the hottest team will win. And that's exactly what the Braves did. And these guys that they traded for were a huge part of that, especially Solaire, Jock, and Rosario. I mean, you lose Mike Soroka early, right, Lester? You lose Acuna. We talked about that. Darno had the thumb surgery. He's gone for a couple of months. Ozuna um, beat his freaking wife. Ozuna, yeah, hit his wife, and he's Allegedly. done. And uh, I think the last game he played was against Boston, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he slid in the third. He slid, broke his he hand. Slid, he slid in the Rafael Devers' foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I remember watching that. And uh, and then, you know, because I mean, Ozuna and Acuna, those are dudes. And I think Soroka is the best pitcher on the staff. The sinker that he throws is a heavy sinker with the circle change, with the breaking ball, all sitting anywhere from, you know, 82 to 96. Uh, and then he can run a fastball, a four-seamer up in the zone at 97 anytime he wants to, seems like. I, I think he's going to be a stud if he can ever get healthy. He continues to be snake bit. So you got three dudes. And then, you know, World Series game one, Morton throws 16 pitches with a freaking broken leg. Just a gutsy dude. You know, you lose him. You'd love to have him in game five when you had to go to the bullpen game with Dylan Lee. So, I mean, everything that they lost, all the adversity – you heard Freddie Freeman talk about this. All the adversity that they went through, they went and found four dudes that just fit the clubhouse and just kind of pieced together something, got hot at the right time, and here we are, World Series champions. Yeah, what a ride. You know – like, like you said, you always hear about, you know, teams getting hot at the right time and winning it. But, you know, the Braves have been there so many times. I mean, 14 straight divisional championships, and they were never the team to get hot at the right time. They were never the team to, you know, catch a spark and go off. That was just not it ever. You know, and, you know, going back from – the the 90s the Braves should have been the team of the 90s instead of the freaking Yankees and you know rattling off you know 14 straight divisional titles all that blah 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 which is great but what do you have to show for it the Miami Marlins have two World Series rings and as a Braves fan I would have traded those 14 straight divisional titles for two rings any day any hey banners fly forever man you know you can go to Trish Park now you see all the the you know divisional titles hanging up on the pole stick, but what only one of them well what two two are red. Reds are for the world championships. You know, the one they won back in the 50s, I guess. And but yeah, screw those yeah. 14 because they don't they don't mean anything, you know? So it's just it's awesome. It, it, it's it's fun. And I can't I can't wait the next season. You know, hopefully guys get healthier. Hopefully they re-sign some guys. I love to have Solaire back. Um especially when they bring in the DH in baseball, which is coming. It should, but there's going to be a labor lockout and season might get delayed and all that bull crap because billionaires and millionaires can't just, can't decide how to divvy up all the money that they freaking make. Um, but, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's just great. It's just great. That's, that's all really I can say about it. Um, yeah, but, yeah, it's – it's a few people who know how dedicated we are to baseball. Because, I mean, literally, a group text. That's all we talk about, just baseball. That's it. That's it. Every yeah. single day. Every single day. Every single day. So, 
and this goes to our fantasy baseball leagues and stuff. So, I mean, we're we're all about it. We're the real deal when it comes to baseball. So, you know, I've seen you celebrate your team win um, champion world championships, um, and now finally the Braves freaking get one. So, you know, we're good. We're good. Well, I mean, you know, you you definitely resigned Freddie. Looking ahead to twenty twenty two, definitely resigned Freddie. Um, do you pump the brakes on Solaire? I mean, I know you know because I look at him. You remember twenty eighteen? Um, he hit Steve 48. Pierce. Say what? He did, yeah, he hit forty eight bombs in twenty eighteen. Right? Two years uh, ago? Or I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, in twenty in twenty nineteen. 2019. Yeah. He's struggling with some injuries. Um, you know, career, whatever, 245 hitter, uh, kind of an all or nothing guy, which, you know, he was all in October. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, I look at a guy like Steve Pierce that came over to, from Toronto to, to Boston in 2018 during the deadline, World Series MVP. You know, same thing with Jackie Bradley Jr., he was the ALCS MVP. These guys are not good baseball players. Just hot at the right time, man. And, uh, you know, I said don't re-sign them. They, they re-signed both of them. And um, so, anyway, uh, I, I look at Solaire. Might be like that. I like Rosario. I think Rosario needs to, needs to stay in Atlanta for a while. And, he made um, and they're not going to pay him. Why not? They're, 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 Atlanta's not going to pay him. Somebody's going to give him three or four years, you know, or. He made himself a lot of money. So yeah, well, a lot of people think Solaire did too. And if I had to pick one, I think I'd pick Rosario. Just the way he runs, the way he, uh, the way he plays the field. I think he's just a better all-around player. Um, not saying Solaire didn't have a better series because it did. I mean, hell, is the MVP. Um, but I think Rosario has has more value there over the next five years, so to speak. But um, have the DH coming. <laughs> yeah. I almost Solaire strictly for the DH. Nelson Cruz. Hey, yeah, him. Go get him. When when Solaire got traded to Atlanta, his approach to hitting completely changed. You know, he went, you know, more of a kind of spread all over guy, not just dropping tanks all the time. So I would love to see more of that. You know, him working with our hitting coach and just how the Braves just attack hitting, you know, different than Kansas City did. I mean, Kansas City sucked. If I sucked, I'd be up there trying to hit 56 jacks too. You know why? Because that's how you get freaking paid. <laughs> and if that's you know, yeah, you know, you're getting RBIs, right? <laughs> if you're not working towards the World Series or you know the playoffs, hell, go up there hack. I'd go up there hacking too. But you know, getting to Atlanta, you know, his approach completely changed. So I love to have Soler back. Um, they'll have money to bring back. You know, at least two of those guys between Duvall, uh, Jock, Soler, Rosario. I think Rosario made himself a lot of money. I don't think he's gonna stay in Atlanta, but Definitely. Um, even Duvall. I mean, Duvall, shoot, he led the league in homers and, R- and RBI, surprisingly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people make themselves a lot of money, but I'd love to have Solaire back. Love him. You know, give Freddie Freeman some uh, protection in the lineup. You know, that's one thing that they're, they're, they're missing with, you know, Ronnie out. But Ronnie's your leadoff guy. And Ozuna, um, he's probably going to get suspended for a year. So, yeah. Definitely bring back Solaire. He he'd be number one on my list to work your way through. Um, as far as your temper temper tantrums that you like to throw, um, uh, I know you have a short fuse when it comes to the Braves, but you got to understand baseball, man. And I, I know you're talking about the 14 division titles don't mean anything, you know. In baseball, it's still an accomplishment. You oh know? yeah. Um, you know, like we're Bama fans, so in football, it's natty or bust, where a lot of teams are like, man, if we can bite the playoff, that'd be so cool to get to go to one of these stadiums, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, dude, screw that. If we don't win the natty, it's a failed season. But, um, you know, in baseball, I tend to think a little bit different. And, uh, you know, the team, the, my number one team has, has more world world championships in the 21st century than than any other team. I mean, they won one in 04, 07, 13, and 18. And, uh, and so – that, that's more than anybody else. And, and, but still, you know, after we won in 2018, to me, I can give it two or three years before I start itching for another one. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Now, you have never experienced one with your number one team. So if you could guess, and I know you won't know until you start watching, um, 
And, you know, I would get frustrated in 2019, 2020, uh, some, some pretty bad Red Sox teams. Ooh. And I just think back and be like, all right, come on, hang on, dude. Just We just won the World Series. Like, that was and, – and it makes you enjoy those even more. And, you know, I hope that you get to experience another one. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you never know. This is baseball. Droughts happen all the time. You look at the Cubs going, whatever, 100 years, Red Sox 86 years, Braves 26 years. Um, and then like another 40 before that. So you, you, you really, you never know. And that's, what's crazy about baseball beginning of the season, everybody Dodgers going to win Dodgers on paper, have one of the best teams ever. Then they go to the right. deadline. They add one of the best pitchers in baseball and a top five shortstop in all of baseball to, to already the best roster. And they don't even, <laughs> we were they don't even win their needed. division. They don't even win the division. That's baseball. And so understanding the patience of baseball and the unluckiness, you know, the ball takes tricky hops and all that jazz. uh, What, how long do you think until you'll be itching for another one? And then, you know, basically just being pissed off about the Braves all the time. Like you've been the last Um, decade. I mean, February spring training, baby. I mean, you know, you make, you make a couple moves in the off season. Um, Trade a couple guys. I mean, you got Drew Waters. You know, you got Pache. You know, Triple A guys um, who are very attractive right now. Probably to some teams are looking to rebuild or whatever. You know, you go out and get a bona fide center fielder. Um, bring back Solaire, Freddie. You know, Ronnie will probably be back around late April, May. Um, hey, fortify the bullpen. Add a starter. I mean, well, I mean, shoot, you got guys come back from in- so many guys come back from injury. I mean. What one thing I hope that Atlanta realizes is how big that depth is for baseball. Because in the past, that has been the downfall of the teams. For because you, you just play, you just dogging out the same guys every single day. You know what I mean? Um, with Boston or some of these other World Series teams, they always seem to have a couple super utility guys like. You know, Guillermo Heredia this year or Ariage Adrianza this year or somebody to give guys a spell sometimes. Yeah. Depth is so important in baseball. And I hope they realize that this year because thing is, if Ronnie doesn't get hurt, Braves don't win a real series because I don't think that the front office be motivated to make any moves to make the team deeper because it just is what it is. Like, this is the team. So – I just hope that they learn lessons from this year. Have some depth. Yeah, you have some of the best young stars in baseball. And you have them locked up for a long time. But get some depth on the team. Get some guys like Jock or Heredia or you – know, get some guys that are exciting, fun in the clubhouse. Damn, the Braves are just a bunch of stiffs sometimes. You I don't have your clubhouse, guys. Yeah, you got Freddie Freeman. Dude. I mean, Freddie Freeman looks like he's about to sit down and do your taxes, man. Right, you got, you got to have some clubhouse guys, or you know. But I think I think Ozzy's and and Acuna are both great at that. Yeah, but they're still young, though. You know what I mean? They, I don't know. You, you also need a fresh face. You know, they've been there three years. Yeah. You know, bring in somebody like Eddie Rowe and Soler, somebody that you're not used to, and you know, those crazy Dominicans or Cubans. You know, just yell a whole bunch of stuff and just hype all the time. Yeah, it's exactly what you need. Right, right. Like Josh Donaldson, he was like a, a thunderbolt in the firehouse. You know what I mean? Somebody who'll start a fight or get pissed off, like, damn, I hate, I love Freddie Freeman. But, dude, shut up when somebody smacks a double, a two-run double, you're smiling, hey, how you doing, how's the wife, how's the kids, dude, I don't give a shit. Stop that. Get pissed off like you're down 2-0 now. You know, and I get it. Freddie's the – I mean, I was listening to a baseball podcast, Shocker, earlier today, and the guy was like, Freddie Freeman's like the – Nicest guy in baseball, you know, for sure. You know, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame because the writers love him. Um, but, yeah, man, you got to have some some dogs, you know, some guys who mix it up, you know, jock with the pearls and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. Um, Jorge Soler said that he's a introverted guy, really, really introverted, which is shockingly from a 6'5 freaking tank, 6'5, 250. Um, Cuban or wherever he's from, he's an introvert. He said when he got to Atlanta, Gamble Heredia paraded him around the clubhouse and introduced him to everybody on the team. Why you need guys like Heredia in the clubhouse? So, you know, 
geez, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I think they can do it. But I, I hope that the lessons learned from this team carry on, you know, in, in, in the gym, Alex Anthopoulos and, you know, other people in the organization for years to come. I don't know about that, man, because I mean, we're talking about getting hot at the right time. You could play this sure, over a sure. hundred times. And how many times does an 88 win playoff team win the world series? It's just not common. And, you know, we're talking, I, I don't think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from this because, you know, he could have gone out and gotten Solaire and Rosario and Jock and they could have been playing good then at the end of the season, you know, uh, what was it like? Mookie Betts had a home run drought in the postseason for forever. He was under, he was a hit, he was hitting under like 260 for like the first four or five years he was in the playoffs. He just wasn't good. You know what I'm saying? You see that all the time. You see good pitchers all year. Calendar flips to October. They got start getting neck injuries because they're watching balls fly out of the park. Same thing with hitters. You know, everything amplifies in the postseason. So you didn't know how these guys are going to react. You know, and so yeah. I think I mean I don't, you know I don't want to call it luck because you know it, that's one of the hardest things to do in sports is hit a baseball not the hardest but you know I I don't think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned because if he does this again it could just as easily as gone the other way and they get swept by the Brewers and then season's over. True, true. I think I think people are gonna have the out AA for now on so they don't get fleeced <laughs> in trades. So. I don't know. I, I'm not going to call this year a one-year wonder, but um, the Braves have set up for years to come to be successful. So I'm enjoying it. I wish I was going to the parade tomorrow, but I'm not going to sit at my computer and stare at my computer screen all day. Probably not getting much work done, but I don't care. Um, but yeah, it's 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 going it's it's great, and I'm already looking forward to February. Last question. We'll get out of here. I know we're getting a little long-winded, but, hey, man, you don't get to talk about World Series every day. Um, I hope Ryan Morrison is listening to this question. BB, been a guest on this podcast before. I'm going to make sure he listens to this part of it. Tell him don't cut it off early because you come in right at the end. Will you watch Toy Story 4 now? Now that the Braves have won it, will you sit down and watch Toy Story 4? Because I have a three-year-old. It's a really good movie. Or whatever, whatever Toy Story, I, I think it was four. God, I can't remember. But the Mike Fultonevich Toy Story that he watched with his kids the night before he gave up like a thousand runs against the Cardinals. Yeah. And you talked about it. That's been talked about on this show. Yes. And in multiple group texts and jokes, you know, um, Photoshop pictures. Um, ah. <laughs> so my question is will you watch that movie now that the dust is settled? You know, it's like, once the Red Sox won the World Series in 04, they brought Bill Butner back and, like, gave him a standing ovation after the bonehead play in 86 where he made the air to lose the World Series. So is it kind of – is that kind of the same situation with you in that Toy Story movie? Uh, so <laughs> in anticipation – well, after the World Series was winning, you know, in that group text with me, Bill, Ryan, and Bill's brother Wes, we talked about forgiveness and about, you know – players in the past and forgiveness for this or that and ugh, I'm not going to watch Toy Story. First of all, the original is the best one. Um, I grew up with the original. And no, it is screw Mike Fulton Edwards forever. <laughs> forever. I'm so glad that the Braves have exercised that demon. But nope, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not. God bless Mike, whatever. God bless his kid. I hope Toy Story 4 was worth it or whatever, but no. No, 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 no. Oh, so now we're God blessing his kid because a couple of years oh, ago, yeah. it was something else's kid. I won't repeat it on this show, but it was blank this kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you at least forgiven the kid, just not faulty enough to where, you know, you'll watch the movie. It, and it is really, and I tell you what, dude, honest, honest truth here. The first one's not the best one. Once you watch all of them, I'm not saying the first one's bad, but I think they're all very, very good. So. Okay. But, no, I, kid is forgiven. Fulte is not forgiven. God's going to have to work with me. It's going to take a little bit of time on that one. 
because I don't even remember where I was that day. I know I, I know I left work early. Somebody go watch the Braves shove it versus the Cardinals. I don't I don't know where I watched the game at. I don't remember hey that like blanked out of my memory. So so yeah. So nah, maybe maybe later. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I'll never forget. I told you I was I was dove hunting and uh I cut it on. I didn't. I didn't get to hear the first pitch, but I cut on Ben Ingram. Ben Ingram, the radio guy for Atlanta baseball, and and like you know, they talk of you know whatever. And I, and I noticed that it's like deadly quiet, and there's not really a lot going on. And and then, uh, you know, a couple of guys get on base. I'm like, dang, faulty or whatever. And they're like, it's five to nothing here, or whatever. And I just, I went. I said to myself, I said, what did you say? <laughs> I mean, the game hadn't started, but like ten minutes ago. And uh, it, it was definitely quick, but uh, yeah, I had to ask you if that would be forgiven, you know, since the, uh, you know, the Cubs, Cubs forgave the guy, Steve Bartman, that took the foul ball away from Moises Alou and, and uh, you know, the Red Sox forgave Bill Buckner for botching the play at first base in 86, but Lester, do you have anything else you want to add, man? I know it's been a long time coming. I know you've probably wanted to talk about this. I, I know you're probably hoping we we're going to talk about this, Um and so, is there anything else you want to say, man, before we wrap it up and get out of here? Hey, uh, go Braves. It's been a long time coming. Team deserves it. Team deserves it. Um, banners hang forever, baby. They fly forever. Nobody can ever take it from us. So, that's it. That's it. If Snicker walked away right now, would you be upset? No. Um, job well done. I, I, I figure um, he does. I, yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's damn good. You know, he's worked with all those guys. They've, came, they've come up with them. Um, in the organization, been a Braves lifer. He's been with the Braves organization. Hank Aaron hired him. Um, if he chose to walk off today, I mean, what a storybook ending for that guy. You know, kudos to him and to his career. Um, but yeah, if 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 he decided to hang it up, hey, I have I would I would have to have the utmost faith in AA and the rest of the Braves organization to find the next best guy. Uh, Troy Snicker, his son, is the uh, hitting coach for the Houston Astros. I'm sure you know that. Yes. So how often is that Thanksgiving dinner going to be this year? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It it should be fun. I know that was my dad. He probably give me hell about it. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a good time. I, if I if that, if that was me in this, you'd I'd be happy for my for my dad. So you know, I'm sure Troy knows the the hours and the mist. You know holidays birthdays because his dad is coaching the Braves organization so um sure I'm I'm sure that'll be a good time all right man well uh I appreciate you staying on with me tonight I appreciate J-Law for tuning in earlier and um you know Bama LSU this week Alabama 28 and a half point favorite as of now um roll tide go Braves congrats to the to the congrats on the world series being world champions and uh, go get another one next year um well, in two years, Boston's got to get one next year. Then the Braves can win it again. But uh, huh. all right, man. <laughs> yeah, episode uh, episode forty nine, Gunpointers Podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law for a little bit. We're out of here. See y'all next week.